All right, it is here. This is the very first official episode of a series of conversations that I'm calling Shit I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me. And it is going to be a collection of conversations that I'm going to have with people who are near and dear to my heart about some shit that we wish someone would have told us at some point in our lives. Our intention is to take what we wish we would have known and share that with you so that you can have the information to hopefully use to your benefit. The first conversation topic is so appropriate. We are going to be talking about love and life. And it is a conversation I'm having with my dear friend, Stephen. He is amazing and I love him. And he has so many good things to say on this conversation. And it's a long one. However, I promise you it is all well worth it. So please do have a listen and let us know over on Instagram what you think about the conversation and let us know what some shit that you wish someone would have told you so that we can bring that conversation to your ears and to your hearts and hopefully start to create some waves in this human experience that we are all sharing. All right. Enjoy. All right, y'all take two. So we tried to do this yesterday and then Instagram broke. So, uh, here we are. We're going to be doing this again. I have mentioned before that I want to start doing more consistent lives for you all. And I want to start doing them under the premise of shit I wish someone would have told me. And so here is Steven. And this is who um, I'm going to be having my first conversation with. And I am super excited for that. For anyone that does not know who Steven is, he is amazing. And he works um, with clients. Um, in an athletic capacity, but not just athletic. He also makes sure that he incorporates the mental component as well. And he works with them to help them create a better relationship with themselves, with their bodies, with food, and it just ripples out into everything. So he has a background in neuroscience and psychology, and I just love him. I talk to him all the time um, for hours. And so I'm super excited to be having this conversation with him today. And I'm super excited to have you all here. So Stephen, is there anything that I left out? Did you want to fill in the blanks anywhere? No, that was uh, a great intro. You know, I don't really uh, talk about myself too much. Um, but um, no, that was awesome. Um, I think the from my perspective, my coaching practice is just built on trying to help people heal. Um, and I think that, you know, by any means necessary, um, I think movement is an excellent way to get people um, fast tracked to their healing um, because it kind of breaks down that that outer layer. Um, it's kind of like cracking the, the yolk of an egg. It's so firm and requires so much pressure and force to break it. Uh, but I feel like fitness does that. It gets us to the ooey gooey stuff that we really don't always want to deal with. Um, and so that's what I love about wellness. Um, it, it gets us to that deep place um, because, like, you figure nobody wants to eat an egg with a shell. They always want the, the good stuff on the inside, but it takes so much pressure and time and effort to get inside the shell. Um, so, yeah, so, like, I like getting to that, 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 that good stuff. Um, and, and movement is how I help clients get there. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I mean, we could talk about that, but... Um, what we had set for today is life and love because that is, you know, kind of like all encompassing. And where we were yesterday, um, whenever I asked Steven and I mean, let's just like reenact it. So 
where we were yesterday was I had asked you, what is some shit that you wish someone would have told you about life and love? Um, I wish someone would have told me not to give the goods up so easily. <laughs> no, but seriously. Um, I think <clears throat> for me, I wish someone would have told me that um, respect and self-love are the most important aspects of living a healthy, good life. Um, and that they should be the boundaries for which all your relationships are built on. Um, and if a relationship is not edifying your self-love and it's not pouring into you and benefiting you, then it is not a healthy relationship. Um, because we already know that we're going to get, right? Where it is, it's, we know what we can get, uh, but we're never sure what somebody else can get, right? We're never sure of how much a person is going to pour into us, how much a person is going to share their life with us. Um, all we can do is hope, right? Um, but we can look at behavior. Um, and so, you know, what I do with a lot of clients is help them look at their behaviors, look at external behaviors of others, um, and navigate those behaviors. And, they, and behaviors dictate a person's experience and who they are. And so for me, you know, being on this earth for 31 years and, and, and learning more about myself, um, I found that self-love is super important and respect. Um, I think so often um, we have relationships that are unhealthy because we don't have boundaries. And the word boundary has taken such a negative connotation over the years. And it's like, oh, you're guarded. And, you know, that, you know, you're trying to be a control freak. And no, that's not what boundaries mean. Boundaries mean, like, this is what you don't cross. This is this is my space. This is protected yes. area. In the same way that the U.S. government doesn't want, you know, randos flying in their airspace is the same way that we have to you know protect our airspace our emotional space and you know with when it comes to self-love i think that there are so many there's so much let's just call it what it is there's so much bullshit in space um about self-love when it comes down to the nitty-gritty um self-love is anything that is going to edify and affirm who you are as you are um so often we live in a society that is built on especially in fitness it's built on uh vanity and the external outward appearance of who we are and that is how we are loved mm -hmm. as opposed to just loving ourselves and our and the individual who we are and we talk about this all the time about you know um the the visceral nature of fitness and how we sell personal training based off of how we look you know people follow other trainers based off of how they look the expectation that okay if i follow their training program that i'm going to look exactly how they look and that is so untrue because there's genetics there are you know lived experience there's culture there's nutrition all these things it's fitness is in wellness is intersectional meaning that you have all these external factors playing a role on the expected outcome and it never comes out the way that we expect especially when we're trying to control it and it's the same thing with love love is intersectional there's so many different aspects of who we are that dictate our love and the outcome that we expect is never what we get mm -hmm. so how do we how do we navigate that how do we mitigate the risk 
when it comes to love. And so I think knowing yourself and having those boundaries, loving yourself more effectively, having boundaries is what allows you to mitigate risk when it comes to life. Um, especially when it comes to doing life with other people, doing life with family, doing life tied to other individuals. And because, you know, we're coaches, you know, we constantly are pouring into others and giving life to, to other people. Um, and what I'm learning is that you have to have a boundary when you're when knowing your limit and what you're willing to give and what you're not willing to give. Like we had a conversation the other day about my practice picking the right type of client that are going to be um, reciprocal and energetic. So you figure we were talking about sponge theory and how our bodies are like sponges. Like um, you figure the, at the basis are atoms, you know, they bounce back and forth, right? Um, like they're, they're twerking. Our atoms are constantly in a state of twerk, right? And so you got, you got a, a atom twerking and B atoms twerking and eventually they're going to sync up and they're, they're going to vibrate on the same wavelength and then they work in cohesion and then they become building blocks for cells, for, for molecules and then cells and then muscles and then organs and then the whole human function. The problem is that when those atoms aren't twerking in uh, vibrational equivalency, things start to break down and they dysfunction. And that's how love works. It's, if you are in a situation where the vibrational energy between you and a person, you and a situation is not balanced, it's not equal, it is going to fall apart. You figure cells that are out of disequilibrium or they're not moving, they die. And that's what happens in relationships. And we definitely saw this in the pandemic. People, you got married or you were in a relationship and then you got stuck in the house and you realize that, hey, this person is not on my vibrational wavelength. So there's a lot of clashing and then there's this disequilibrium and then nothing's going right. And then you realize like, I don't even like this fucking person. And it's like, why? Because this person doesn't give me what I need, but you won't know what you need unless you do a little bit of self-reflection and you say, okay, what is it that I, I really want? And there's so many tools out here that help you figure out who you are. Um, like the, the love language test. You know, it's, it's five, uh, they, they compress it down into five love languages. Um, it's uh, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, um, gift giving, and um, physical touch. And so initially mine was physical touch. Like, you touch on my butt, you touch on this butt. First of all, this is a gift. Okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. If, you, if I allow you to touch on this body, you're welcome. Um, but I realized that, you know, physical touch, physical intimacy was how, was one of my love languages, was one of my top love languages early on. But then I realized that as I've gotten older, um, they change. And doing the self-reflection to see your body change, to see your mind, spirit, and soul change over time is important. And that is the real indicator of what self-love is, is, is doing that that self-research. Um, and now my, my, my top love language is acts of service um, because I realize that the way that I give love the best is by giving love, is by serving. But that is also what I need. I can't give and give and give and not get anything back. And that's how we get burned out with people. That's how we get burned out with jobs and responsibilities because we're constantly pouring into other people and they're not pouring into us. And so now I'm at the head, I'm in the head space. I'm like, look, if you're not giving to me, if you're not pouring into me, you're wasting my time, bro. Yeah. Keep it moving. And so I think, you know, I think, 
that's just one thing that I've learned over, I would say, really the last year about myself and, and, and when it comes to love and life and that they go hand in hand. You can't have love without life. Right. And I love that you gave the example about the love languages, because I think that that's important to note that like, just because this is true today doesn't mean it'll be true tomorrow. And you said so much stuff that I was just like, yes, but I didn't want to like interrupt the flow. Um, we had a couple of comments. So incurable, but adorable. Can I pet that butt? <laughs> listen, it, it, listen you, it, like I said, it is, it is a gift. So please, you know. There you go. You've got consent. It is a gift that God has given the world. So, you know, why not? Consent. Oh, whenever you're talking about sponge theory, um, she said, currently, I feel like a Brillo pad, which happens, I think. Um, You figure, like, let's let's, let's unpack that analogy. Um, You figure Brillo Brillo pads are used to deal with the difficult shit, right? Um, We're scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing. You try and clean it with a sponge clean it with a, a dish rag, right? You first of all, you know when you wash dishes, you really don't nobody really likes washing dishes. Like so what do you do? You soak them. You soak them and you hope that the soap and the grease and the hot water it starts to break down and everything gets easy. Um then you go to wash the dishes, you use a, a wash rag or a dishcloth and then you use a sponge and you're like, why is it, why is it not coming out? So you get a brillo pad. Because brillo pads are are, are rough. And they have a hard surface, and they are they are built to deal with the difficult shit, right? So if you're constantly in that emotional state of dealing with the difficult shit and not finding rest for yourself, you're gonna get burned out. And then that is, that you figure you know how brill pads they get nasty and they get gross. Food gets trapped in them, and they have like this weird smell. And then like when you sit it out, it has like this weird gunky water. Let's not be that. Let's 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 find. There are times we have to compartmentalize who we are. There are times when we should be at real camo, bad bitch energy completely, and then there's times when we should be a little bit more gentle and soft. And then the biggest thing is, if you're always in real pad mode, you have to think, why am I here? There's no reason for me to be in this defensive, reactive state all the time. And we have to say, okay. Is this my personality? Is this who I've developed? Or have I chosen to partake in this defensive, reactive nature? And a lot of times it's just a matter of saying, you know what, fuck that, I'm not done with that. And you don't have to because that is not your energy. Like talking about us being energetic creatures, as sponges, we absorb energy. Like we absorb the magnetic spectrum, we absorb sunlight. We are like 70% plant-based. So like how we, how we, uh, engage with our our external world is absorbing energy, releasing energy, and so if you're constantly absorbing negative energy, negative ideation, negative thought, your body starts to absorb it and hold on to it. And exercise, movement, is one of those things that brings all that negative, negative, nasty stuff out because we're so caught up in holding on to stuff and controlling everything that our body starts to hold on to it and sit in it and that's how weight that's how that honestly i believe like there nobody understands cancer in my opinion i feel like cancer is like emotional stress like manifested in the physical body because literally when people get cancer removed out of their body don't get me wrong there is a there is a scientific explanation for some types of cancer but the stuff that just comes out of nowhere i feel like that's like emotional trauma manifested in the body and it's like 
people have said when they get tumors removed, even the benign tumors, they feel like a weight has been lifted out of their body. And so often we carry our weight, we carry our our emotions within our body. And it's like exercise movement is a thing that gets that shit out of our body, but more so is us choosing not to hold on to it. Having that boundary and saying, you know what, I've reached my threshold, dude. I'm not, like I, like I do with relationships now, whether it's my nieces, my nephews, my, my mother, my partners, whoever it is um, that I'm dealing with, I have a threshold now. And I say, you know what, this is a boundary. You must respect this threshold. I'm only putting up with so much bullshit. And once I get to that threshold, I'm done. And it's okay to be done because so often, especially I've, I have a lot of female clients, I feel like there's this, this there's an imbalance when it comes to women, I believe, in society. They're expected to just take everything. You're just supposed to carry and load everything. And so often some of my clients are like, I just, I feel like I have to control everything. I have to be, I have to manage everything. And it's not. You don't have to. You can literally just be like, fuck this shit. I'm not done with none of it. And that is like the nuclear option. The mature option is to say, okay, what things do I want to hold on to? What things can I let go of? Um, what things are mine and what things aren't? Some things are your partners, and you do not have to hold on to that shit. You say, you know what? Look, dude, this is yours. You take it. This is mine. I take it. And it is a partnership. That is what I think love in a relationship looks like, is partnership. And so often we have this unbalanced with our relationships because we don't know ourselves. We don't know our fatigue threshold and we don't know how to say, Hey, I need help. And like that, I think that, that was, I, I've learned that recently. I've, I was in a relationship with a guy and I really loved him. And, uh, I just did not know how to share myself with him. I was like, I'm such a control freak. I handle everything. I manage everything. I control everything. And I, I tried to control him. And I did not know how to say, hey, I need help. I need, I want your help. I was so busy trying to be Captain Sabo, save everybody, be like a faux black Jesus, right? And <laughs> seriously, I was so busy trying to control everything, manage everything that at some point I burned out our relationship collapsed because he could not handle the burden of me being the one person driving the relationship. And I didn't know how to share in that relationship. And so what I had to learn was I had to take a step back and I'd say, okay, see, what is it that you really need? Who are you? I had to really start to think of myself in four parts, mind, uh, mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. And I, then I had to start saying, let me compartmentalize my energy and my space and my emotions and and my metaphysical interactions into these four parts of self. And let me deal with each one. Sometimes we live our lives where everything just coalesces in on itself. And we never compartmentalize and say, okay, how do I navigate this space effectively? And you can, you can digest it easier when you compartmentalize and you attribute certain things to your body, attribute certain things to your mental state, attribute certain things to your emotional state, and to your spiritual state. And I think so often we get into relationships and we, we get into life and we don't know who we are. And then life comes crashing this heart and we fail or we feel like we fail because we haven't really done the work to 
get to know who we are. Yeah, I think that's so true. And like, take it back to what you're saying about the body storing emotions. The Body Keeps the Score is a great book if no one's ever read it. And it talks about exactly that. And, you know, there's like research behind it. Like whenever we don't process things, like it's not that it just like that. That's what not healing looks like when you don't process things it just gets stored somewhere like your brain is amazing and it usually puts memories in like a nice neat little filing cabinet but if you don't take the time to like sit in your shit and i'm using that because steven said that like a couple times yesterday like your emotional like shit and like process what's happening then you're not gonna be able to put it in a nice neat little filing cabinet you're not gonna be healed you're just gonna like shove it somewhere and the next thing you know it'll be years later days later whatever and you'll be going about your life and all of a sudden something will remind you of that thing and you'll be like put back in that situation and it's really uncomfortable and that will just keep repeating itself and repeating itself until you actually deal with whatever it is that has been bothering you and i think that a lot of times what happens whenever we aren't healed is that we look for who we are because we're talking about like self-love shit that we wish someone would have told us about love and life and a lot of times i feel it's been my experience i've done this I've looked for what I thought that I needed in someone else. Like they had, you know, what I thought would help make me whole. And in some regards, that's like, you know, a healthy, like interdependent relationship where you, you know, you learn from one another, but that can turn toxic very quick. If I am like always relying on Steven to do like the, the emotional shit because I don't want to, but I'm not learning those traits from him. And so it's a matter of, like we've been saying, like really getting clear on who you are and, you know, being strong and steadfast in that and like being that person with conviction, because I think a lot of times too, what happens is when we are trying to figure out who we are, we have this expectation of others that they will like grow into what we need them to be. Right. Like we hold the biggest on. Lie. Like I, I love that because that is the, that is the biggest lie that, uh, society tells us about love and relationships. The person that you choose is the person that you choose. They are that person today and forevermore, unless they choose to change. You can't make them change. You can't ask them to change. It is not your responsibility to change for what you want them to be. It is their responsibility to be who they are. And that is the problem. I am not getting with anybody that does not know who they are. And I don't want anybody to get with me. If I don't know who I am. And so often we we see we talked about this yesterday in our talk about the potentiality of personality. We say, okay, this is this person has the potential to be this person. So you fall in love with their potential rather than falling in love with who they currently are. That's a problem. Yeah, that should not work. A lot of that, that that's why a bunch of homes are breaking up during the pandemic because you fell in love with the outer visage, the filter what they wanted you to see and also the potential of the person rather than really getting to know who they are and say, okay, do I like this motherfucker? Because if not, because you know, listen, I'm just being honest because sometimes people are trash. People are trash. People are trash. Okay. Now, there's no other way to put it. You know, yeah, one man's trash is another man's treasure, all that whatnot. People are trash. Okay. Let's put it out there. People are trash. People can choose to be better, but you can't make them be better. They have to choose to. And so often we get into relationships. I've gotten into tr- relationships with some trash ass people. And I'm like, oh, they got so much potential. They're going to be so good. And then 
time and time and time again. They show me just how trash they are. My Angelou said it. Believe them the first time they tell you who they are, right? <laughs> like, you seriously have to believe people for who they are. Like, they tell you exactly, like, like okay, cyber dating. My mom thinks it's, like, ridiculous. She's like, I don't understand you kids and cyber dating. It's so weird. And I'm like, that's just how it's done nowadays. Nobody has time. Nobody really wants to meet up. And so people create a personality in social media, and that is their filter. And they only show you what they want you to see. But when you meet them in reality, that is not who they are. And you've fallen in love with that outer visage, that creation. You know what that's like? That's like when you read a book, but then you watch the movie. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That is exactly that. Is exact. Some people should not be making movies because they're trash. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm going to leave it alone. But <laughs> I think that. It is just the disappointment between um, reality versus the fantasy. So often we fall in love with the fantasy of a person instead of the reality of who they are. And so I definitely, I feel like if, like my I, my parents were awesome. Like they taught me a lot. They, they made me a hard ass. They made me the psycho that I am today. Uh, the <laughs> psycho that people love. Um, but I, I wish that... I had I wish that I had someone in my life telling me more about the respect that's required in relationships yes. and the vulnerability that's yes. required in relationships. Yes. Because so often we're afraid to be ourselves. So we make something up and that's what we sell. Yes. And that's not knowing yourself. Because knowing yourself and loving yourself as you are, you are like, look, so like I know myself. I am lazy. Okay, I am a hustler and a procrastinator. I mean, I will do everything at the last minute, and I will get that thing done, and it will be immaculate, be bomb. But I realize that stresses my partners. A lot of my partners are planners, and they're like they like to do things in order. And and if you are being mature and you're being uh, a, a healthy adult. You're going to do things in order. You're going to do things in a mature way. You're going to plan. You're going to strategize. You're going to execute. That's difficult for me. And so what I'm realizing is that I can't get with somebody um, that's like me. I need to be with someone that is a planner that's going to push me to to be the thing that I, I, I know I'm not being right now. Mm-hmm. And so often we get with people that are just comfortable with where we're at. They put up with your shit. Yes. But, and sometimes you need somebody that is going to challenge you. That's what love is. It's acknowledging like, all right, I'm a flawed individual. I, I love that I'm a flawed individual, but I'm seeking to be better. Get with somebody that's going to push you to be better. It's the point being with somebody that's going to put up with your shit because you're not going to grow. Right. right. And so often we get comfortable just being in the fantasy of who we are. Right. And to the point where we like really bullshit ourselves and we're like, you know what? I'm so decent. I'm so flawed. No, you're not fly. You're not decent. If you're living a lie and you're not being your authentic self and you're not growing, if you're not growing, at some point you are going to die. If you are not creating energy and expelling energy and giving energy, you are going to die. And so often we get caught up with just being okay with who we are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, I get that. Sometimes we don't have the capacity to grow. But at some point, my mother always used to say, either you're going to shit or get off the pot. 
Mama mom Westbrook. Is, so, so my mom is is country. So they, she got a bunch of like weird like euphemisms and globalisms, and, but they're so relevant to life. And I feel like like one of the things she always says is that our generation is going to suffer because of lack of knowledge. Like so many people are are failing at life, failing at relationships, and not so much relationships with others, but failing at relationships with themselves because they don't have someone being honest and truthful with them. Yeah, I think so. Retweet all of it. So good. Um, we got some comments that, yeah, sometimes what we see is what we create in our mind. And, yeah, why would you want to change someone in the first place if you're attracted to them for reasons? Then those are the reasons you should fall in love with someone. So I mentioned earlier that I was in a relationship like that. And it was a situation where I told the person very early on, I feel like I'm losing myself. And they told me in return, well, I don't know how much more I can give you right now. And you know what John and now would have done? She'd have been like, no harm, no foul. Love you. Mean it. I got to go. But at the time, and you know, I said, I felt like I was losing myself. I don't think that I really knew who I was because I hadn't taken time to consider who that was. I just knew that like the things that we were doing, like I didn't feel like I had felt. And I think that, um, you know, I stayed in the relationship. It was the longest relationship I've ever had. We were together three and a half years would not take you know, would not trade of any of that for like anything. Cause I learned a lot. He's a great person, but at the same time, that was three and a half years, like, damn. And, you know, with that time that I was there, like I was really looking for something that I really needed to look for in myself. I was looking to him to kind of like validate who I am or who I was at the time. And I think that so many people do that. And so many people don't even know like what a boundary is because you were talking about like we get complacent, right? We just go through the motions and you can, I'm sure like speak more to this, but I just want to point out that the reason we do that is because in our brains, the short, the shortest point between a distance is, you know, from point A to point B, right? It's a straight line and our brain is, you know, working on making sure that we're surviving. So anywhere it can create a shortcut and a habit, it's going to. So that way it's operating on autopilot. And so we get into these habits because that's what's led to our survival in the past. And, you know, that is what, you know, our bodies and brains are like, well, this will work, even if it's not what's best for us. And so with that, I think that so many of us, like you said, like we get in these situations where we're not growing, but, you know, things are okay. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. And we're coasting along. Like we were both in that relationship for a long time. And you know why? Because we didn't want to have to move. We didn't want to have to like separate the stuff. Like it was more work emotionally to end it than it was to just keep on keeping on. But neither one of us were growing in that sense. And we were really just, I mean, I don't want to say we we're making ourselves miserable because, you know, again, like I'm not trying to bash anyone. And to also quote Maya Angelou, um, you don't know what you don't know. When you know better, you do better kind of thing. Like if I would have had some shit that I wish someone would have told me back then is that they would have set me down and had a conversation like, look, I see what's happening. You need to do what's best for you. And you need to get really clear with yourself and ask yourself, how is this serving you? And I think to your point, like so many of us, we don't want to be real with our friends because like we don't want to hurt their feelings. Like, well, you know, we need to let them learn the lessons for ourselves. But, you know, we're all here to help one another. And so I get it. But like, help a bitch out. We have a moral obligation. One, we have a moral obligation to each other. As a part of a community, I'm responsible to tell you the truth. Yes. Especially if it's going to help you grow. Truth is not 
It's fine. The Bible says that it is it is bitter to the tongue and sweet to the sweet to the belly. Um, and the belly is the seat of our soul. And so, like, it may taste nasty when someone tells you something about yourself and it's truthful about you. But at the root of it, it is healthy for you. It is going to help you grow. And so often we get in relationships that are unhealthy because they are not proper reflections of who we want to be. When you are picking a partner, and my mother said this, she said, get someone who is a reflection of you. But even to take it a little bit deeper into a more spiritual aspect, like looking at my relationship with God now, um, God is a reflection of who I want to be of the level that I want to get to get a partner who is a reflection of who you are supposed to be, who your purpose to be, who your passion to be. Because so often we get with people just as we are, when we're supposed to be getting with someone to help us grow. Don't get with somebody that ain't going to help you build something because it's if not because you're just wasting time and you're just a placeholder. We talked about this yesterday. I am not wasting my time with someone who is just a placeholder because while you're holding that place i'm missing out on the person that should be here helping me grow helping me build my business helping me build my future and they're missing out on their blessing i'm missing out on my blessing because i'm fucking with somebody they ain't got no time for me Mm -hmm. no no i'm not doing that anymore and i think that if we were honest with people about what a healthy relationship is a healthy relationship comes with challenges because challenges make you grow trials and tribulations are lessons to make you grow and so often we want a relationship that's easy yep. and that is uh convenient yep and comfortable yep i had therapy on wednesday and my therapist said you don't like being uncomfortable i don't i like that ooey gooey cushy feel because it's comfortable but what if i did step out on faith and i sat in that uncomfortable that uncomfortable space i sat in my emotional shit and dealt with it i sat in my mental shit my physical shit like right now i i'm dealing with post-covid i have to i have to learn my body all over again like my doctor said he was like steve you're not gonna be a twink anymore he was like that skinny boy shit is just dead he was like just let it go he was like you are a grown man body he was like get accustomed to it he was like you have muscles you're thick he was like you're curvy he was like it is what it is. He was like, just got to embrace it. He was like, get to know and love this body. And so one of the things being that physical touch, like so often we forget that the way that we express love is the way that we need to receive love. And I'm realizing that I'm a, I'm a very physical person. I need to be physical with myself. Self stuff. Hedonism is a part of the is a part of the spectrum of wellness. Pleasure is a part of the wellness spectrum. Sometimes you have to touch yourself, not in a weird, pinky, freaky way, but just maybe tactile sensation is important because it breeds intimacy with self. Knowing your body, understanding your body increases proprioception. Proprioception is your awareness and space. The more comfortable you are with your body the better you are in relationships because you can you know your you know your boundaries you know your your goals and knows when it comes to a relationship and so often we we think that we'll get with somebody and we'll just be open and try shit and that's not true you can't really try nothing unless you tried it with yourself and that is not just on a physical level that's an emotional spiritual mental level you can't just jump into a relationship and expect that you're going to be prepared and ready for something that you have not experienced 
And so often we jump into these relationships with people who are emotionally unavailable, emotionally immature, mentally and emotionally immature. And we expect that we're going to be prepared and comfortable dealing with their shit. No, you're not, you're not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. Like, you got to be a saint in order to be able to deal with that type of thing. And I think so So often um, we forget that we need to deal with us first before we can deal with somebody else. Yes. Like, I am really learning that if acts of service is how I receive care, I need to do that for myself. I need to be a reflection of acts of service. So I go... I get my haircut, I get my nails done, I get facials, I get a massage. I I do the things that make me feel good. What? They were talking about how many beverages I have, and I was like, yeah, I've got like three. (laughs) It's alcohol in there. It's very, it's very, very very early. No, it's It's not. It's coffee, and I've got some matcha, and then I've got water with chlorophyll. It's alcohol. Listen, this is how, this is why we're such good coaches, because we're drunk all the time. Cheers. I'm not drunk. Cheers. That is tea in Stevens. He told me earlier. <laughs> it is. It's tea. It's tea. I'm, I'm just messing. But um, uh, it, it is important that, like, words of affirmation, I used to hate when people just tell me I love you or would, you know, speak positively to me, affirm me. And now I'm realizing, like, I need that. And so one of the things that my mother always used to make us do as we were children, get in the mirror and tell yourself, I love you. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. You are smart. You is smart. You is kind. You is intelligent. Like you have to, you have to speak over yourself because your words have power. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that there's power in life. Of, there's power of life and death in the tongue. And the things that we speak have energy, right? And the things that we say over ourselves are so important, so impactful. The, the thoughts that we think are impactful. So if Words of affirmation are a, a way that I receive love. Why shouldn't I give that to myself? Right. Why shouldn't I do that with myself? We're so focused on having a relationship. I wish someone would have told me, see, before you try and get in a relationship with someone else, be in relationship with yourself. That is the most difficult thing in the world to do because seeing the reflection of self really makes us acknowledge who we are, flaws and all. And that shit sucks. Because we realize we are really trash. <laughs> That's it. Like, I realized, I was like, you know what, Steve? You, you a trash-ass dude that got some toxic toxic traits when it comes to men. Like, I, I, I have treated some dudes really badly. And I didn't realize it because I was just like, you know, that's just me. Yeah, but just being you is not okay. You can't just be you when you're in a relationship, when you're responsible for somebody else's life, when you're responsible for their wellness, for their spirit, for their mind, their emotional maturity. Understand that when you're with the wrong person and you negatively affect them, you're ruining them for somebody else. Think about the responsibility that we have over somebody else's spirit, over somebody else's development, and we're so focused on just ourselves just satisfying our flesh just satisfying our needs and we don't think about what the other person needs and where they're going you're not just responsible for you anymore you're responsible for them and their future and i take that very seriously in the same way that i take care of my nieces and my nephews and i'm I'm focused on their future and the my my exhibit behavior 
is going to be a, a dictator of their their behavior or indicator of their behavior as they grow. It's the same thing with the person that I'm in relationship with. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in my friendships. Mm-hmm. I am responsible for their wellness. Especially if I choose, if you, now it's a difference if you choose to partake in that relationship, then you're saying, okay, I accept the responsibility of their emotions. Right. And I accept one, I accept the responsibility of my behavior and I am accountable for my behavior and how it makes them feel, how it affects them. And so often as we are learning who we are, we never think about how our behavior affects somebody else. Yes. And I want to apologize. I was having this conversation with my mom. She said, being apologetic and being accountable has nothing to do with um, the action. It has to do with how you made that person feel. When you apologize, apologize. I apologize for making you feel this way. My behavior elicited this emotional response for you and I am I'm sorry for that nobody cares about what you did like what you did is what you did we're human we're nature we're, we're gonna do shit but you should have known better not to do what you did so that it did not elicit a certain emotional response because emotions are built into our body mm-hmm. so the way emotions work there's a hormonal cascade that occurs that hormonal imprint that hormonal cascade imprints on the brain and so that external stimulus, that hormonal cascade, they become locked together and that imprints on the brain. So anytime a person experiences a similar external stimulus, they're going to elicit the same hormonal, hormonal response and they're going to go down that neural pathway of trauma. And, and the idea is that if you are going to be in a relationship with someone, you have to be careful of your behavior because it may imprint trauma on someone and that has long lasting effects and once you hurt someone you can't take that back yeah yeah like 1000 percent. and i think that so we've been talking so first of all you've got some comments someone said that they miss you and yes positive mantras um must encourage ourselves true undiluted love changes you and yeah the word sorry has no weight if you don't know what you are apologetic for yeah 1000 percent. and i think that what um I wanted to point out like in, in regards to like your response to what you had said is that we've been talking a lot about like self-love, like knowing yourself and you know, like how people like you can't change someone, but the intention and like you were talking about whenever you were sharing like your, your relationships, whether with like a romantic partnership or your friends or your family or whomever, it's all about being around people that make you want to be better because of like how they're showing up. And so that you, you know, it's not that someone's trying to change you. It's that because of who that person is, they're modeling the behavior of being themselves. And that therefore inspires you to better yourself and be more of yourself for whatever reason, whether because they're inspiring, whether because you want to like level up and like protect them in some sort of way, whatever it is. I think that that's like an important mention to note. It's not that like you need to because I think a lot of times what happens is we get in these relationships and we're like, well, I need to change for them. Like we feel like it's our obligation. And so it becomes chore energy and not choice energy. And what you were saying regarding, you know, if you are accepting like, yes, like I want to be in this relationship, then you're accepting the challenge of like, I'm going to guard your feelings. And I think that that's so valid. And at the same time, I think that that social contract, it's kind of an unspoken thing. And it's twofold in the sense that, yeah, we feel you know, sometimes that we have to do it 
but mm-hmm. that's totally different energy. That's that chore yeah. energy, that resentment. It becomes like, you know, you do it begrudgingly because you think that's what you're supposed to do. And I talk about the toxicity of should like all the time, but it's a matter of getting around people that make you want to elevate yourself because you want to do better you for choose. them. Yeah. You choose. You choose, to, you choose to care. You choose to care. Yeah. You want to be better for them. And like, I think that that's like what it's all about because not everyone is for everyone. And I think that that's okay. And, you know, talking to what you said about how a lot of times whenever we are with people and if we impact them, it's a matter of like them apologizing. The person that I mentioned that I dated a while ago, um, and this is just, there's just so many examples because that was a time I was really like grinding myself. Like, I don't mean to harp on it. Like I'm good to talk about it. I'm healed from that. And so it's why I'm able to present you with this because there's so many great examples in that time that we spent together. Like they would do things that would make me feel a certain type of way, right? I would bring it up to them. And their response was, well, it was, I did that because of this. Well, I did this because of that. And I'm like, just say that like, you get it. Like I need to feel seen and need to feel heard. I need to know that you can see why I might feel this way. And I think that what you're talking about, like these false apologies, people do it because again, they think that they should, but it doesn't mean shit. If you aren't, you know, making me feel like I need to feel people won't remember what they said, exactly what you said. People will not remember what you said. They don't remember. Like, I don't even remember what the thing fucking was, but I remember how he made me feel by not acknowledging me in that capacity. And at the time I just knew that I was like, I didn't know how to respond. I'm like, well, that's not really what I wanted. Like I was confused. I'm like, I mean, he, he said the stuff, but at the same time, I don't feel like he got the point. Like it's frustrating. And then after time went by and you know where I am now, I'm like, Oh, because I didn't feel seen and heard in our relationship. And I felt that it was more just him going through the motions because that's what he thought he was supposed to do and apologize. So yeah, I just wanted to say those points. We've got some more comments. Taught my son not to use sorry for everything. I've let him know you're sorry because he feels bad. He needs to understand why he feels that way and then interpret those feelings into how they affect others. Yes. An apology is simply and only a sorry. It's not remorse for the pain caused. Humans are fully aware when they hurt you. Yeah. All that. I think uh, I love that the the conversation has shifted to um, at the root at the root of of love. I guess the there's a middle point. There's love. There's hate. <clears throat> or no, there's love, and then there's the opposite of love. And in the middle is forgiveness. I think so often we apologize when we should be seeking forgiveness. Woo! Because offense is detrimental to the well-being of an individual. If you, you apologize when you bump somebody, mm. you apologize when you break a plate, mm. you apologize for meaningless things like like things that that aren't emotionally offensive to people when you offend someone you have to seek forgiveness and in order to seek forgiveness you have to understand what you did and how it affected that person and how it made them feel when a child is disobedient you don't just what i try to teach my niece is you don't just say oh i'm sorry i ask her why are you sorry why did you do what you did? Under, I want her to understand the choice 
that she that she made, the consequences of her choice, and the consequences not just the 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 the, the uh, penal punishment, but more so the emotional effect of her behavior. That changes how she understands her behavior in relation to how I felt. And it is important as parents, it is important as guardians to educate our children and young people that are around us that the difference between forgiveness and apologies. Because so often we just say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so people grow up with this, I'm sorry. And so when people do really offensive, nasty things to them, all they need is that I'm sorry because they've been conditioned that if you say I'm sorry, it's okay. No, it's not okay. You did something fucked up. You did something wrong. You need to seek forgiveness. You need to have a contrite heart, meaning that you are remorseful for what you did. And how can we have positive, effective behavior change so that you don't do it again? Because understand something. A person that says I'm sorry is going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Now, a person that asks forgiveness are less inclined to do it again because they understand the consequences and they're they pretty they, they don't like the consequences and if we taught our kids and we taught people that if we held people accountable to the point where we said fuck your apology i want forgiveness i want you to be better i want you because forgiveness is not for us forgiveness is for them right yeah so it's like all right well i want you to be better so that you don't hurt me again holding others accountable to a standard this is why we have boundaries holding others accountable to your boundary makes them understand the consequences of their behavior and then they're less inclined to do dumb shit that offends you and affects your emotional state i am in the place where i'm not letting nobody fuck up my mood we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about how mood is such an has such an aff- is mood is an affective state meaning that it has um cascading effects on all parts of our life so like if I'm in a happy mood, my work is going to be more productive. I'm going to eat cleaner. I'm going to, my workout is going to be like 10 times better. Now, if I'm in a bad mood, I'm not going to work out. I'm going to eat something horrible. I'm going to probably cut somebody out. I'm going to be a whole monster because my mood is affected, meaning that it has an effect on all these other things. And this is the thing. Somebody's behavior affects my mood to turn it sour. One, I've given them too much power. Yes. Two, I let them cross the boundary, and that is my fault. Three, now I have to choose whether or not I want to enforce my boundary. Mm-hmm. So I think the hard part for people is setting the boundary and then enforcing the boundary. Because it's like, what's the point of having a boundary? That's like, that's like, that is like America, having boundaries and then just letting people come in because they want. Now, I'm not talking about immigration. I'm talking about invaders. Like, that's like them letting some foreign enemy come in just willy-nilly and being like, well, we just, we just going to brody y'all. We're going to come up in here and do what we want. That's exactly what you're doing in a relationship. And I wish someone would have told me, Steve, don't be no bitch. And I'm not, and, 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 I, and when I say, uh, I, I say that to say, don't be weak. Not in the female term and not in the, in any derogatory term, but just in the sense of don't be weak. For me, like, growing up as a black man uh, who grew up in a very urban community, bitch is like a trigger word for me. So, since other people, like, uh, y'all have, other people have their trigger words. This is my trigger word. 
and or the p word bishop the p word is my trigger word um part of it is because for a very long time i was sensitive about my sexuality my sexual identity um i understand now that the two different things who i am and what my sexual identity are they're mutually exclusive um but it's so conditioned in me like if somebody call me a bitch it's like all right we gonna fight um and so for me um it's a matter of weakness it's a matter of someone when someone used that term to me it referred to my weakness my lack of strength and so someone when you don't enforce your boundaries it is them making you weak because if you give someone the authority to cross your boundary and you don't respond effectively they're gonna do it again they're gonna do it again, they're gonna do it again, and they're gonna do it again. That is the I'm sorry. When somebody crosses your boundary and they say, Oh, I'm sorry, and you don't gut punch them, mm-hmm. I mean, like, really gut punch that ass. <laughs> You're saying it's okay to cross my boundary and to hurt me. And people, and this is the thing, people, some people get off on hurting other people. Some people are manipulators and they're opportunists, and like, you know, if I can get over, I'm gonna get over it. Mm-hmm. I done did it. We don't all did it. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a little bitty baby manipulator. I I, I done did it. I done got over on guys. I'm trash. I am learning to be more responsible about my behavior because I understand that I'm responsible when I when I engage in a relationship with someone. I am now responsible for their emotions. I am responsible for their well being. And so often we do it way too lightly. We apologize lightly. Um, we our care for people is lightly. We half-ass it. We do, and you cannot half-ass it. What is our motto? Use your we whole ass. ass it. Right, you put your whole ass into it. You know, if you're gonna be stroking, right, you gotta put that whole ass into it. You can't be stroking with one cheek. You gotta stroke with both cheeks. So, like, the idea is that you want to do everything to it. If you really love someone and you're really focused on, let, let's take it back. If you're focused on loving yourself, don't half-ass it. Put your whole ass into it. Mm-hmm. Like that is one and, and 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 relating that to like our physical nature, our glutes are one of the largest muscle groups in the body. It is a powerhouse muscle. And so often that is the most underutilized muscle group within the body. And so if you are not putting your whole effort all using utilizing all the muscles in the glute complex, you're not going to have as much power. And if you relate that to your physical body, if you, I mean, your emotional body, if you're not putting everything, your posterior chain, all in your power source, all into developing a healthy relationship with yourself, it's going to fail. It's going to be unhealthy. And you're going to lack power. And so often we have less power in ourselves because we have not done the work to build ourselves up to be available for somebody else. You can't be in a relationship. You cannot be available for someone if you're not available first for yourself. Yeah. Because being available for yourself requires that you prioritize yourself. Mothers, prioritize yourself. Your kids are not more important than you are. And that is the hardest part for my my female clients that have children. They're so often just like, oh, I got to take care of my kids. I got to take care of my Yes, you got to take care of your kids. But if you don't take care of yourself, you know, damn well, your partner ain't going to take care of your kids the way you're going to take care of them. If I had children, I probably would be more of the mom. I just know that. Nobody's going to take care of my kids the way I take care of my kids. Like, I love my nieces and nephews. Nobody takes care of my nieces. When when I am with my nieces and nephews, I'm on Uncle Daddy to be. And nobody takes care of them the way that I... Their own parents don't take care of them the way I take care of them. 
because I care in a different way, especially the way that I understand it is that if someone loans me their children to care for, I need to do more above and beyond. Um, and so they're not going to get that care often because they, they don't see me often, but I understand how influential my love and my care is and the responsibility that I have to somebody else's soul. I can't take that lightly. And so I can't be present for them if I'm not present for myself. If I don't know my flaws and I don't know what my threshold and my fatigue levels are, I'm not, I can't, I can't in honesty be responsible for them. And so often society tells, my opinion, society tells women that you have to take a backseat to who you are in order to take care of your responsibilities. And that is a fucking lie. Take care of yourself first. Do you first. Get yours first. I have learned, I'll tell you something. When it comes to love making, get yours first. Okay? Fuck them. They'll get theirs. Get yours first. You know why? Because they'll get theirs and then they'll fall over and go to sleep. And I can only say that because I I, I play both roles. And so often you're like, I, I, I feel like I've lived that that whole ideology, like, oh I'm gonna please my partner, I'm gonna make sure you get yours first. Ah, fuck that. I'm getting mine, and then you get yours later. Now, what you can do to create equity in your relationship, there can be balance. Okay, this time you get yours first, I'll get mine after. But I guarantee you this, I'm gonna get mine 60% more than you will get yours. Because if not, this is my thing. If not, there, there's always a power dynamic in a relationship. If you, because you have to know this, I'm gonna get mine more than you get yours because I'm willing to get more than what you're willing to give. And there's balance in everything. So I know that I am going to get. I'm a little. I'm more. I'm more powerful in all of my relationships. I'm usually the dominant and aggressive one. I'm gonna get mine first. Then I'll make sure you get yours. And I'm also going to do more. But I understand that they're not the dynamic of who I am. I understand my power. I understand the authority that I hold in my relationships. And I also respect the authority that God has given me in my relationships. So I don't take it lightly how I care for the people that I'm. I'm. I'm called to care for. And it takes a lot. It's a, it's a lot of humility and a, a, a maturity that's required when it comes to saying, okay, I am responsible for somebody else's feelings and their well-being. And, and that's all it is. It's like, that's what I wish somebody would have told me how much it takes to be responsible and, 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 and accountable when it comes to love. Because love is so powerful wars have been waged for love you know at the root of a lot of shit in society our society is broken because of lack of love and it's like what if we actually like really stopped and asked people like what they needed how can i love you better how can i care for you a little bit better how can i make it less about about just my needs and make it more about your needs but that's only if you know your boundaries and you know your capacity of care and you know like what your limit is because you can't you can't love on somebody else if you don't one you don't haven't loved on yourself and then you haven't built yourself up enough to be able to give a little bit of extra for somebody else you cannot care for somebody else until your cup runs over yeah unless your cup is full would i look like getting energy for somebody that got a empty cup yeah they're like pouring out the dust <laughs> Yeah, like my mom was just talking about this. She was like, it's like driving your car to empty and you drive them on fumes. And then it's like the amount of care and energy and love and all that shit that it takes to fill your car back up. You figure she got like a V8, big old hefty truck. 
So, like, she driving the fumes plus her reserve tank plus her regular tank. That's like eighty dollars. Who the fuck is spending eighty dollars a week on gas? I'm not. So think about that in an emotional sense. Why would you drive your women do this? And I get on my clients all the time, and I drag the shit out of them because they know I love them. But I say, y'all will drag yourselves until exhaustion, and then you fall apart. And then you become you. They call me and they be like, "Make a miracle happen. Get me right. Get fix my body. Fix my mind. Fix my spirit." And I'm like, "Bitch, I can't make miracles. I ain't Jesus." <laughs> but what I can do is I can teach you tools on how to care for yourself so that you don't get to an exhausted state. Yep. Have boundaries. Tell your partner no. You take care of the kids. Yep. I need a nap. Yep. I need to go play with myself. I need to take. I need to. I need to go shopping. I need to pamper myself, and vice versa. Male counterparts, when they are the primary caregivers for their children, and their spouse is the one that works the most, it does not matter who's caring for who. The matter. The, the point of the matter is that you need to find balance and equity in your relationship, and that comes from knowing yourself and having boundaries. Yeah, people don't do that. Yeah, that's something that I teach clients. Like non-negotiable like we're going to talk about what your boundaries are because a lot of times and i think we mentioned this earlier people don't know like how to set them and people feel some type of way about enforcing them just like you said like some people are like okay this is my boundary like i'm good to go and then when they're presented with the opportunity that it's time to be like hey don't cross like they're so i like to refer to boundaries as like your own personal like little emotional bodyguards if you will and so like you set them up and like they're standing there, but again, like when the that threat comes, the opportunity presents itself, your fucking bodyguard boundaries like over here sleeping in the corner and they just walk on over they're you. Big and buff. They're yeah. big and buff, but they ain't got no they don't know how to use those muscles. Yeah. You have to in order for you to think of think of your boundaries as a muscle, right? You pump and you pump and you pump, you get the muscle big, but then you don't actually use the muscle in life. It's like it's like bodybuilders. What's the point of building all those big muscles if you're not going to use them? And that is your boundaries. We build them up. We understand them. We acknowledge them. We say, okay, I have boundaries now, right? I have, my, I have this big husky uh, boundary bodyguard. But what's the point of them being there if they can't do anything? You can't utilize them. If Just for show, yeah. If the bodyguards don't kick in, those muscles don't kick in, and they don't activate to enforce the boundary, what the fuck are they there for? You're wasting your time. And my thing is, I am not going to, I, God has not given us uh, a spirit of fear, but has given us a, a spirit of love, power, and sound mind. All these things are boundaries to keep us from getting hurt. And if we don't exercise those muscles, what was the point in us having them? Right. What's the point of having a boundary if you're not going to enforce it? If there are not consequences to the actions of people's behavior, to the, to the, to the, if there aren't bound, if you don't, if, if someone does something to you and you don't enforce the boundary because they were offended you, what's the point of it being there? Right. It, it, that is definition of weakness. Not having any resistance. Resistance is required. You have to push back. It is okay. We should do a whole conversation on no. Yeah, we totally should. I teach clients how to like say no. That is a complete sentence. And I also make sure to point out that you are establishing your relationship dynamic with someone sometimes before you even meet them. And they're going to kind of like, to your point, they're going to push the envelope on what they can get away with. Right. Mm -hmm. And unless you, like you said, like punch them in the gut, they're going to keep on keeping on. And so a lot of times, like I can relate this to um, males 
they will make like inappropriate comments. And instead of me just being like, oh, <laughs> or like giving them a dirty look, they're going to keep doing it if I do that. But if I say something like, what do you mean by that? Or don't talk to me like that. Then you can bet your sweet ass they're not going to say it again. I look at it this way. Um, and a lot of people, I think I'm a little crazy. Um, it's that primarily because my mother is crazy. Like we, we have a very crazy dynamic and, um, men, I, men are disgusting. Um, and I, I, I have my moments. I try to be better. I try to be of my better nature. Okay. I really do because I work with so many women. I love women because they really do be like, see, that is so bad to do that. And so I really do try and be better. Men are trash though. Um, it's in our nature. Adam was trash when he blamed Eve, um, and he knew better. Um, so you know he's he's he trash because he should just been like my fault, God. I, I you know what I should I should have been watching my wife. I should have told her no, it wasn't cool. We shouldn't have ate that. Instead, he blamed Eve. He trash, so he doomed us all. Um, what I say though is that um, because because our bad because we have bad behavior, we need to get punched in the gut. Men need to, men are, we live, in a, we live in a society where bad male behavior is glorified. Mm-hmm. So, what I do, what my mother told me to do, is get punched that ass. Because men, they don't understand boundaries. And they tell, society tells women that it's okay. They, I feel like they tell women and the submissive partner. Boys will be okay. boys. Huh? Boys yes, will be boys. Boys, and that it's okay for them to have this bad behavior. I'm going through this right now on my job, where I, there are male counterparts at my job that do really fucked up shit, have really bad behavior, and they think it's okay. You're not going to do that with me today, see? Okay. And so, um, what I do is when guys try to cross a boundary. Oh, you want to cross boundaries? I'm gonna cross boundary with you. If you, if women, if people started crossing boundaries in the same way that others cross their boundaries, people will stop doing that shit. Mm-hmm. So I had a, I had someone touch me inappropriately. So I said, oh, you want to touch people inappropriately? Okay, so I'm going to touch you inappropriately. I'm going to, you know. Now, that's an extreme version of it. Um, this is a person that I was dating, and I had told them, I said, look, this is a boundary that I do not like. Don't do this. And so... I knew that they had a boundary that they did not like. And so I, I crossed their boundary and I said, do you, do you understand now why I don't like this? Do you understand now why this is inappropriate? I had a boundary. I enforced that boundary by, by forcing a punishment. Your reaction enforces your boundary. And it doesn't always have to be physical. Because um, I don't, I don't believe in physical altercations and, and physical uh, violence. Um, but there should be a reaction to someone crossing your boundary because if not, people are going to feel it's okay to do it again and again and again. And then when you actually say something, they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. They don't really mean sorry because you let them get away with the first time. The first time it happens. So that way it does not, excuse me, it does not continue happening. Um, and I think, you know, we talked about this yesterday about setting an atmosphere of respect. And it has nothing to do with just a physical space. It's a, it's a, it, it needs to be like a force field around you. Mm-hmm. Your person is to be respected. I am the firm believer. So I don't like wearing clothes. 
Anybody that knows me knows I do not like wearing clothes. Um, I'm in tights all day, and my and the goods is always out. I don't care. I work hard for this body, okay? Um, but more so, I, I just I don't like clothes. Like I, the tactile sensation of wearing clothes bothers me. So I would wear the smallest shorts and the tightest shirts. I just it, it's a thing for me. I feel like it is not anybody's business to say anything about what I wear if I'm not hurting nobody. And it is not your place or your responsibility to touch me or to say anything. And so I feel like people take it upon themselves to comment about things that has nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. Don't get in my space. So people, so, and this is my advice to women. Um, the first time somebody says something to you about what you have on, gut punch they ass. And it doesn't have to be physical, but if you check the child on the first time, I guarantee you they won't try you again. It is not your responsibility. It is not your authority. You have no authority to say anything about what I wear and how I carry myself. And so often we allow people to offend us and not say anything. We have a boundary. If if just because if I wear provocative clothes, that does not mean you can touch me. Right. And I've been in spaces where, you know, being in fitness, like I'm in, I'm in tights, like full tights. Like people feel like, oh, it's okay to touch you because I'm exposed. No, it's not. It is not okay. Men that are watching this, just because a woman shows off her body and wears something that she is comfortable with, does not mean it is okay to touch her or denigrate her anyway. Or even it comment okay. on them. Like, I remember I'm listening to you talk, not to interrupt, but like, I'm very like, ah, about this as well. Because, yeah, like, I've worked hard for this body and, you know, sometimes it's not that I, I mean, all the time, like, it's not that I'm trying to show it off. But it's hot sometimes when I work out. And I remember specifically. I I'm trying to show up all the time. I'm going to show it off and I don't care. Well, you should. But yeah. So um, I remember specifically like one time I like took my shirt off. And the coach where I was working out was like, mm, those shoulders or those sexy shoulders or something like that. And I was like, motherfucker, what? Like, I'm, I'm literally just working out. <laughs> And that's the thing. We live in like a hypersexualized society where everything is sexy. Ooh, you got sexy elbows. <laughs> sexy elbows. Like, you weirdo. Like, I feel like that is because people don't really know who they are. Yes. Like, a, a mature individual, like, really self identifies with the things that they like and they really, like, do the work to, like, really get to know themselves. And they learn, like, okay, that's inappropriate behavior. That's not something that you say. Now, if if the coach likes you and he was like, "Yo," he was like, "Like, if you want finesse and you gonna run game, you gonna be like, "Yo, damn girl, you you been working hard. Like, I'm sure this is looking good. Like, there's a way, there's a time and a place for everything. But then understanding, like, in that in that professional capacity, it is inappropriate for a man to say that to a woman because of the authority that he holds yeah. as a leader. Yeah, he was and the I owner. That is the problem that a lot of men in society are dealing with like they're like oh i can just i can just do whatever i want to do because i'm in a a position of authority and nobody says anything you this this this, so we could have a whole (laughs) another we're like past an hour at this point but um we could have a whole new different side conversation on this because i think and i think and you correct me if you're wrong because you're a man i think that men have this idea that that's what women want. Women want to be like fallen over and told that they're pretty and told that they're sexy, blah, 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 blah. And so they do that. But now women are at a point where we're like, 
that's unsolicited. Like I didn't ask. There's a total difference between you saying like, oh, you look very nice today versus being like, oh, damn, sexy shoulders. Like, oh, you work for that ass. Yeah, it looks good. I feel like in order for, for I think that, I think that we have a responsibility um, as men to be cognizant. We have, we, men don't know how to read the book. No. <laughs> my, my, my mother always says this, God gave women intelligence and wisdom and knowledge and all the good shit and he gave men strength god didn't give us much he just gave us strength um <laughs> and so man that's all we have we just do everything like oh, like like a charging bull you know and i think it's it is it is our responsibility as men to i think it's women's responsibility to learn strength and it is man's responsibility to learn intelligence compassion wisdom all the things that god gave women it is man's responsibility to learn and the thing that god gave men it is women's responsibility so like i feel like because of the difference of our natures um it is a it is a reciprocal relationship that must occur when it comes to men and women it's not all you know men are supposed to know this and women are supposed to know this men are supposed to do this and women are supposed to we should be working collaboratively it's exactly what i said earlier yeah, we, we have to work collaboratively. And whether that's in a familial relationship, a professional relationship, a romantic relationship, we have to work collaboratively um, to share uh, who we are. Because so often there's a clash, there's miscommunication, and, and boundaries get crossed because mm-hmm. of a lack of knowledge. Right? Mm-hmm. Men suffer. Men, men are getting their ass kicked right now because they're, they just don't know. And it's our response, and and it, I think the more that I love the Me Too movement because y'all are enforcing your boundaries, and that is so important. Like if you look at, you're like, look, you did something fucked up, and you gotta suffer the consequences of it. And if we started doing that in our everyday life, and we started holding people responsible to the boundaries that we set for ourselves, one, it enforces it. it one, you're gonna feel confident about yourself when you enforce a boundary. Yes, and. Don't feel hella confident when you enforce the punishment for somebody that crosses that boundary because you're like, oh, now now you're gonna make me flex on you because you've had the audacity to be offensive and cross my fucking boundary. You have to. I think that the problem is that people are so offensive and they they take too much authority and and they feel like they have a right to your person. Nobody has a right to who you are. Nobody has a right to touch you. Nobody has a right to say whatever they want out their mouth about you. And so people. People at my job, no, they can't say shit to me about me. Don't say nothing about my clothes. Don't say nothing. Somebody touched my hair when I was growing it, and they got an earful. What? And I said, don't. Yeah, somebody touched my hair. And I, I felt, I was I was annoyed because I was like, it was a woman. And I said, you should know better. You should know better because I said, think of my hair as, one, as my private parts. Don't touch, you wouldn't touch my private part. I was like, unless you want to. I'm like, that's the type of time you want. We have just a whole different conversation. But I'm like, you would not touch my private part, so why would you touch my hair? Why would you think that's okay? I said, you know, so much of uh, entitlement is, is based in a lack of respect of boundaries. That is what entitlement is. If entitlement is, oh, I feel like I can cross your boundary. And men have a really bad sense of entitlement. And that is your parents' fault because they should know about it. They should kick you in the ass and say, look, we don't do this. My mother, she kicked me in the ass multiple times. And she was, I'm a grown man. I am 31. And my mom still kicked me in the ass and was like, Steve, that is 
no, you have a, I have a very high sense of entitlement because I'm like, I went to college and I have degrees and certifications and I'm just entitled to, nah, fuck that. You ain't entitled to nothing, okay? You work hard for everything that you have to get. Nothing is owed to you. And then as men, we, we have this sense of entitlement and it's false. And we say that as men, we feel like the rest of the world is responsible um, to our entitlement. They, they should just give us what we want. Not how it works, and we feel that way. A lot of men feel that way in relationships. They feel like, all right, when I get in a relationship, my partner has to give, 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 give to me, and that is not true. That is not. That true. needs to. That that has to be broken. And so I think, I feel like, primarily this 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 conversation is for my female listeners. I think. I, feel like I so think it's for all of them. I am, encouraging women to fight against the status quo, quote, rage against the man, rage against the fucking man, because men need to be put in place, men are hard-headed, they don't, and sometimes you got, like I said, gotta punch that ass and really t- say, hey, these are my boundaries, enforce them, because if not, they're going to keep crossing them, and men don't understand boundaries and forgiveness. That's true. They and just... it is our responsibility as well-informed, mature individuals to teach them. And so, you know, I think that 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 was the one thing that I wish I had learned and, and had been taught to me early on about um, self-love. And, and that being broken down to boundaries and respect and, and forgiveness because I have had some really good, healthy partners. But because of my sense of entitlement, um, because of my lack of a contrite heart and just apologizing and not really seeking forgiveness and being uh, conscious of my behavior in relation to their feelings, being of my behavior being offensive to them, I've lost out on a lot of good love. And so as a coach, it is my responsibility to help others be healthy in relationships. And really, like if, if you're really trying to seek love, you got to do the work on yourself first. You got to have a healthy relationship with self and love on yourself a little bit more. Make sure that you don't cross your own boundaries. So often we say, I will never do that. Um, that is, no, I'm not. And then we find ourselves in situations where our boundaries are questioned. And you have to say, okay, am I going to cross my boundary for this person? I did it. Sex makes you do crazy things. I'm going to cross a, a lot That's of boundaries. That's true. When you're, good sex. When, you, when you're uh, hypnotized. Listen, and, and it, 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 it hypnotized not referring to like that physical anatomy, but just the, the thought of it. The whole like, thing. Like you sexualized. And listen, there have been some women that have traumatized me, literally. Like sex so good, you'd be like, oh, goddamn. Like, you know, it's... <sighs> Like, but I, <laughs> I think it is it is important that you have those boundaries and you stand firm in them. Yeah. And it starts with you, like your boundaries, your respect for self, um, forgiveness starts with you. Sometimes we like we haven't even talked about how forgiveness of self is important. Right. Like forgiving yourself for the things that you did not accomplish, like the things that you thought you should have accomplished. Like I had to forgive myself for not going to medical school. I was just like, you know what? I was going to medical school. I was going to be this doctor. I had this whole planned out. I was in college. I was in high school. 
and then I'm, I'm finished here. But I was in, co- I was in, I was getting ready for high. I mean, getting ready for college, and I was sitting. We were living in my uh, my childhood home, um, and I was sitting in my sister's room. And we were talking, and I was like, "Yeah, this is before I like came out, and like came out, came out, and um, <laughs> before I realized I was a big homo." Um, I had this idea that I was going to, I was going to meet this girl and we were going to get married, we're going to fall in love in college and she was going to be the one. And, um, we were going to be together, we were going to graduate, I was going to go to medical school, she was going to be like, start working, she was going to support me through medical school and then I'll support her through her career. And I just had this grandiose fantasy of what my life looked like. And I knew it was going to happen that way. Life did not happen that way. My parents got divorced my first year of college. Um, things started just changing. Like the life that I thought I wanted for myself changed. And for the longest time, I regretted not going to medical school. I regretted not meeting that girl. I regretted so many things. And I said, that just was not for me. That was not the life that I was supposed to live. And I had to, I had to, I had to forgive myself for feeling that way, that negative ideation about choices that I chose, that I, that I made. And so often we, we, we live life unrepentant, like unapologetic about the choices that we made, except the choices that you make, they are yours. That is who you are. You are who you're supposed to be today because of the choices that you made, and that was the right choice for you. And accepting that allows you to move into the fullness of who you are. So often, we we are still regretting the things that we did not do. Yep. Those things might not have been for you. Yep. And so it's okay to be where you're at because now you say, you know what? Fuck who I thought I wanted to be. I am who I am now. How can I evolve out of this person into the next best self? Because at some point, each each state is in, you get to a plateau and you're in homeostasis and it's kind of like chrysalis and it's like, okay, you have to get to your next level. So how do I love myself more at this level so that I can get to this next self? And that is the thing in relationships is that you're constantly evolving, constantly changing. You know, don't be with someone who's not willing to evolve with you and grow with you. Um, and I think that's why a lot of relationships are suffering right now because we're evolving. We're becoming different people. Um, we're acknowledging our needs, sexual, mental, physical, spiritual, and it's forcing us to grow. And the hard part is that sometimes the partner that we have is not ready to grow. And that's okay. But they need to know that this is a deficit and that at some point you got to give them a timeline and say, all right, listen, you got this much time to sit in this. You can't sit here forever. I'm not going to carry you. And so often we carry our partners that are unwilling to grow. And the boundary has to be, look, motherfucker, you got this much time to, to, I was talking to my mom about it this morning. You have this much time for your lack of growth. Anything more than this a lot of time, you got to go. Because I'm not going to sit and let you hold me back. Like, and that is, I think that if we started to look at our life in a performance-based methodology, like, how am I living better? How am I getting to the next step, the next level? How efficiently are we getting across the levels? We would not put up what half the bullshit that we put up with from our partners. That's true. 
I think that, I mean, drop the mic with like everything you said. And the only thing I want to point out is that I think a form of self-sabotage that like you were saying, we aren't necessarily aware of is when we are putting up with that bullshit or whenever we are hoping that someone will be something that they're just not. And that's really, you know, holding us back from like you were saying, like who we're meant to be and no harm, no foul. But at the same time, you know, how long are you willing to do that? Like to your exact point, like there's a difference between, you know, holding space for someone and allowing them time to like work through things and, you know, giving them the permission to hold you back, like in the process. And I think that that's like a differentiation and like a true distinction that we all need to, yeah, come into terms with. And so, yeah, I think that that was beautifully said and so important. And I hope that whoever needed to hear that did. Yeah, I, I, I think I think so much about <clears throat> how we grow and mature um, is unsaid. You know, and a lot of people want to know how to get to that next level. And it's not always professional. Um, so often we say, all right, I got to level up. And, then, and we assume that it means our professional life. And it means that it comes with more money. Right. But that's not true. Like, leveling up has to do with your, I feel that when you set your boundaries, you enforce them, you you decidedly evolve and mature. Um, all that other stuff comes. Yep. So often we're focused on the professional development. We're focused on the financial development. And that is um, that is our I- idea of success. And what if we just actually wanted to be better people? Yeah. To be in a healthy relationship, a healthier relationship with self, a healthy relation, a healthy relationship with our children, our parents, our family, yeah. our spouse. Um, my mom always says that she says you cannot have a healthy relationship with your partner until you have a healthy relationship with your family. And so you have a healthy relationship with your siblings. It does not mean that you have to get along with your parents to have a healthy relationship. It doesn't mean that you have to have a healthy, you know, I mean, you have to get along. I don't get along with all my siblings, but that does not mean that they, I don't have a healthy relationship with them. I care. I'm present when they need me to be present. And I, I demand that they be present for me when I need to be, when I need them to be present. And if they can't be present, then that is not a healthy relationship because a healthy relationship is built on what? Uh, relational currency and equity. What are we giving to each other? What are we both? Because nobody just does it for free. Right. What are we getting? What are we both getting out of this? And is is there equity and the divestment of this relationship? What am I getting out of it? So, my goal as a as a person, not just building a business that's built on relational currency, um, because it's what can I give to my clients and what can I get from them. Um, but as a father figure, how can I be a better um, mentor and educator to my nieces and nephews? As a son, how can I be a better son to my aging mother and who's who's in a in a space where she's finding her identity outside of motherhood? Um, so, like developing a friendship with her as opposed to just a son. How can I be a support system to this woman who is not just my mom? You know, she she's a uh, she has an identity outside of uh, outside of this person that I that raised me. Um, how can I be a better community leader? How can I be a better educator? Like for so long, my purpose had been tied to um, being 
getting more money. Um, and that was, I was so focused on getting more money because I didn't want to focus on leveling myself up and loving me more. But now that I've gotten to a healthy relationship where I love myself very confidently and competently, I realize how much more I can give. And the things that we, we are tied to, the things that we think we need really don't matter anymore. That financial wealth, that professional acumen, it'll come because of the relational currency. People like people that are confident and healthy. The best, yeah, people have glorified like the cycle of CEOs. Mm -hmm. But the best CEOs are the ones that are confident, they're healthy, they are physically, mentally, spiritually healthy. Um, they are they have amazing relational currencies um, with their with their staff, with their people, and they have healthy relationships with their families and their community. I want to be that person, and I think everybody should want to be that person because all the blessings that the universe has for us, they're readily present as long as we have built a healthy relationship with ourselves. Because it, it it boils down to stewardship. If you don't have a good relationship with yourself and you're a good steward of 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 you, how can the universe bless you with anything that anything else, anything better? Because you haven't been a good steward of what it's already given you. If it's giving you a life and it's giving you an able body and it's giving you a good, a halfway decent mind, and you can't be a good steward over what the universe is giving you, how can you expect to get anything better? You can't. You gotta take you gotta take the seed that you currently have. You have to plant it. You have to water it. You gotta get around things that are gonna edify it and help it grow so that you produce good fruit. And you producing good fruit is to benefit others. So often we assume like we grow and we get watered, we get planted, we bear good fruit just for the beauty of the fruit. No, what would what would be the point of just having this beautiful apple tree if you're not gonna share it? You're not going to share the bounty of that tree. The fruit will die. And then it's going to rot. And then when people see that tree, they be like, oh, they have beautiful apples on that tree. But then they look at the ground and it's like, oh, all the apples are on the ground and they're rotten and they're gross. And that's what happens. People on the outside look really, really attractive. Right? But mm -hmm. then when you look a little bit deeper, you get down to the roots, you're like, it's not healthy. It's not sustainable. And so often, that's how we live our lives. The outer part is really beautiful and attractive, but the inner parts are really ugly. And nobody really wants that. That's why that's why people are getting exposed. These politicians, these leaders are getting exposed because on the outside, they look really attractive. But when you get down to the root of it, they're horrible fucking people. Mm -hmm. And they haven't done the soft work to be healthy and worthy of the leadership and authority that the universe has given to them. Therefore, the universe is taking it. And that is how I think that is how the universe is tired. God is tired, and it's like you know what, y'all fucking up. So I'm just take everything. I'm gonna I'm take from those that are unworthy. I'm gonna give to those that are worthy. So put yourself in a position where you are worthy of all the good shit. But you gotta do a little bit of work. You gotta make sure yourself is right, so that way you can receive all those positive things. You can't be in a negative space and get positive things. They're gonna cancel each other out. I love that you brought up the point of whenever people think about leveling up, we often think that means acquiring material wealth, the cars, the, you know, the person that like looks good at our side, like the house, the money, the job, whatever. But you're 
so right. And I love that. I think that's like a beautiful point to end on is that, yeah, like it's about what you can't see, like the intangible things. It's more something that you have to like feel and like lean into whenever you go inward and do that work and learn about who you are and learn to number one, accept who that person is and then to further love who that person is. Because like you said, like, you know, there are toxic parts of all of us, right? And instead of shaming ourselves for that aspect of ourselves and shying away from it, you know, the more deeply we know and understand that part of ourselves, the more we will be able to empathize with others when we see that like reflected back to us, the more that we will be able to help and have like compassion for others. And so I think that yeah, like it's something that when you do the internal, like you said, like the external will come, like you will be rewarded because you will have done the things you've laid the foundation, you've done the prep work, if you will, to do like all the external stuff. And that goes back to, again, like you can't pour from an empty cup. And so whenever, you know, you get your internal stuff, right, like you're ready to go and you can't like mask over and like duct tape and like bandaid that you, like, you can only do that for so long. And it's not long at all because people will be able to tell you won't be able to uphold it. And um, yeah, I think that that is some shit that I wish someone would have told me. Like even to the point, like what she said about like the cup being full, like if you're so busy filling your own cup with the things that you need, all that external stuff doesn't matter. You won't really have any space for it in your cup. Like, you'll be so happy and so joyful filling your own cup up that when you get the house, you get the car, you get more money, um, you get more professional um, acumen, those things won't matter as much because you're already full. You know why? And, like, also, not to interrupt, but just, like, to jump in. Yeah, they won't matter as much because you will know who you are and you will have that conviction of yourself. And so you won't need the external things to validate. You won't need the external things to therefore like prove or like make you affirm like, oh yeah, like I am worthy because look at all this shit that I have because you will know inherently who you are and what you stand for. And I love what you said earlier about, you know, it's not just about you. It is your moral obligation to be your best self so that you can therefore help others. And so I think that that is something that is beautiful and true and that if more of us like leaned into that energy, damn, like, especially like I try and get, like I said, I try and get my moms. So I, I, I love working with moms so much because I had such a, I, I've had some wonderful women in my life. Um, my grandmothers, um, my, uh, Marlena, my, my mother, um, my sisters, like they have been so influential in my life. And so I, I feel a responsibility to edifying women, especially mothers, because I feel like they don't get the, the, the type of care that they're, that they deserve. Um, one, because healthcare is not set up to edify mothers. Uh, well, it's not set up to edify women. Um, like I feel like the, the science of oh, just the medical field OBGYN is just lacking. Um, like when it comes to like self-care um, and like recuperation after motherhood. And so like one of the things that I saw a lot of my mom is like pour into yourself, be your best self because your kids are watching. Like moms are the best example of 
they're the primary providers literally because they have all the nutrients that children need so it's like they, we definitely rely on them and so it's like when now seeing my mom live her best life allows me to live more more just live more and I thought I was living, but now seeing her live, I'm like, oh shit, like I ain't did nothing yet. I'm like, shit, I can't wait till I get 50. Because it's like, that's like, she's fully herself. Um, and it took time to get there. But she always talks about if she had done it earlier, mm-hmm. if she had started pouring into herself more earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of, a lot of my coaching comes from my lessons from her. Um, and I think that, um, it is so important that we pour into ourselves and be the example that we want to like kids watch kids and people watch the things that are unseen. They watch us when we're not talking and not acting or putting on the show. They watch it. Like if you, if you, if you, they, they, if you ever notice it, kids mimic the behaviors that we don't notice that we're doing like facial expressions and like little hand gestures. And like my niece is so much like me. Like she does all my gestures, like the neck rolling, the eye rolling. And she has so many of my mannerisms, which I didn't even know she had picked up. But what if kids started to see us being healthy for ourselves? Yeah. Us meditating, us praying, us eating healthy, us exercising, Um, which studies have shown that when kids see positive, when when kids see their parents or they see a a positive figure in their life behaving well and maturely, they tend to behave well and maturely. What if we started to be that example for other people? And we're always bitching and moaning about society sucks, but what if you behave better? Yeah, we're part of the society, so instead of complaining about it, like acknowledge it, recognize it, have the awareness, but be part of the solution. I think that modeling the behavior is one of the most powerful tools that we have. Period. End of story. And it's something that I've seen. My- all that shit out. When you, if you model the behavior and then you see someone and you know that you're the representative of the behavior of a positive, healthy environment at work and somebody is not adhering to that positive environment, I check the shit out people. I'd be like, don't bring that here. That is not welcome. People know you come in my office, you get your, but they know don't disrespect this space because you will get kicked out. And people respect the space. And they know that certain behaviors are not acceptable in this space. And so now we set a standard of respect in this environment. And that is how we make change. Setting the example and setting the expectation and enforcing the expectation. And we we assume that we can't make adjustments to society on a micro scale. But if we only affect five people those five people come in contact with hundreds of other people. So me Ripples, baby. six or seven people and talking to them about having a positive ideation about self-love and about um, the difference between apologies and seeking forgiveness. If I can touch seven people and they take that seed and they say, you know what, I'm going to think differently about my behavior in relation to others and when I offend people and to seek forgiveness rather than just apologizing and just giving lip service, but really being um, um, affirmative in my behavior change and uh, really making amends when I offend someone, 
they do that with their partner. They do that with their children. They do that on their job. That's three to four, five, six people that they've engaged with. And it's like, all right, like, little bit by little bit, we're starting to see a little yep. bit of a, a mindset change, an energetic resolution is starting to occur. And it's yep. like, all right, if I'm that first atom that bumps into another atom, that bumps into another atom, they're constantly bumping and getting into energy with each other. And then we start to vibrate on the same frequency. Little bit by little bit by little bit, we start to create a community yeah. of self-worth, of positive affirmation, self-love, boundary enforcement, not lip service and, yep. and, and forgiveness. Like those five things start to change a community. Yep. Yeah, and just like that's that's what we as coaches are supposed to do. Like we as the, the mature and informed, we're supposed to energize other people so mm-hmm. that they get to the point where they can energize others. Yeah, I love so yeah, just a ripple effect just takes one. And yeah, then she put wave emojis. Yeah, I was about to say we're making waves over here, baby. Fuck yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, the ripples. And I wanted to yesterday. I feel like yesterday when when IG shut us off, they were like, All right, y'all speaking too much truth and y'all trying to create too much change, but you know, I think it's these are the things, these are the conversations that people need to hear. Mm-hmm. And it's so often people don't speak truth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I am so done with the lip service and just like talking. Like, yeah. I, I really want people to, to grow and level up because that is an indicator of my success. Yep. If I can help somebody grow and be their best self, yep. I'm doing my thing. I wanted to point out too, in terms of like modeling the behavior, one of the things that I think is like the greatest, like, pieces of satisfaction or like most rewarding thing is whenever a client recognizes that the way that they show up impacts how others show up. And I will always remember, um, I had a client one time and she told me, I think that you changed my sister. And I was like, no girl, you changed your sister, but you started showing up for yourself differently. And she saw that and recognized it and realized that she could no longer treat you in the way that she was. She, you know, you, you by acknowledging who you are, accepting who that is, loving that person, setting your boundaries and forcing them, you therefore shifted the relationship dynamic between you and your sister. And therefore that is what changed it. I didn't do shit. I taught you, right. but you were the one that has we, the we ingredients to your own antidote. And you were like, thanks for being present and helping and, and coaching you. And you were like, you felt that I helped you feel better. And I said, you know, you felt, you made yourself feel better because you, I think so often it is just my job to give you information. It is my job to be present and to say, to, to be observant enough to see what you're not seeing and then point it out to you, bring it to light. Like I said, we are supposed to be the reflection of who we're supposed, of, of who we want our clients to be, right? So me being present, being observant, I'm just reflecting what you're not seeing. Now that you're aware of it, it is your responsibility to acknowledge it and to make the change. And when you make the change, it feels good. And so often... We seek out people to affirm us that are not the reflection of who we want to be. Yeah. And because change is painful. Change is painful. Transformation is painful. Like it, it first of all, transformation requires sacrifice. It is painful and it requires time. Patience the the this is scripture. Patience is kind. Patience is long suffering. I mean, love is kind, love is patient, love is, is long suffering. It does not like, like these changes aren't going to occur overnight. They take time. 
And so often we live in a microwave generation that assumes that we could just have everything that we want overnight. No, love takes time. Self-love takes time. Um, familial, professional, all, all of that love requires time. It has to bake, it has to incubate, it has to, it has to, it has to be exercised. Because like it's like it's just like exercise. It's like you try one workout and you try another workout and then you try a third workout. And you're like, ooh, I don't hit my groove. Like it feels good. It's like like oh okay, I got this now. It's like now you're like it's that wave, that energetic wave, and then you find your groove, and then that is how love works. Yep. It is not like it, if you if you hit up against the love does not hit up against the wall. Love is like water. It, it finds a way. It flows. And it, anything that is blocking you is not for you. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. We are coming up on an hour and 45 minutes. So thank you for everyone who has been with us. Um, <laughs> shall we end it here or shall we do rapid Q&A really quick? Yeah. Let's ask them, like, I think like it would be a great opportunity for people who have questions. Like this is like we, we I think, you know, doing these conversations with Jonna, like one of the things that we have always wanted to do is be a resource for you like in a world that's constantly asking you for money and asking you for for equity um we want to be equitable for you so if you have questions like you know rapid fire let's go this is like we'll give you some free coaching for the next 15 minutes yeah we can totally do that i also have some questions for you if you wanted to like spitball those while we're waiting for anyone to like have questions so like let's do that yeah. okay so yeah, i'll ask definitely. you I'll ask you questions and anyone who has any questions, feel free to ask us whatever you would like. If it's something more personal, I just want to throw it out here. You are more than welcome to slide into our DMs because like Steven said, like we are here for you. And um, I think that it's really important that, you know, we, we don't sugarcoat things. Like you probably gained that awareness. And we also have the, um, the relational capacity in terms of we're able to take like what's happening and put it into like a movement context because we both do have a fitness background. So pop any questions you have in the comments. And while we're waiting for those, I'm going to ask Steven some questions. So rapid Q&A. Number one, what's a social cause you care about? Starting light. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, social cause, mental health awareness. Okay, awesome. And we have a question. So how to break a toxic past relationship that is a quote unquote void to a current relationship that has no quote unquote chase. Oh shit. Okay. I'm going to need you to like send me a DM. Cause that's like, that's probably more than like 15 minutes, but, um, anything that is toxic, um, we have to question anything that's toxic. We shouldn't have to question whether or not we should keep it in our life. Um, unfortunately, um, we condition ourselves to toxicity and poison and we, we, we assume that we need it, that we have to thrive off of it. It is our responsibility to really start to be strategic about removing it from our lives, especially because um, when it's a long-standing relationship um, and it's tied to tied within our lives, the roots are deep, and pulling out those roots can be difficult and they may require time. Um, so all I can say is about when it comes to toxic relationships that are filling a void from a past trauma, um, one, first thing you do before... Um, removing that toxic uh trait that toxic whatever it is you you acknowledge it you say okay it's present and then you start dealing with that past trauma so that you can fill that void so that you can 
easily remove the trauma because I mean the, the toxic because if you just remove the toxic you're just going to fill that void with something else toxic so let's deal with the trauma first um, deal with that past pain acknowledge it sit in it acknowledge how it makes you feel um, respond to it get support whether it's from coaching or from therapy um, change behavior and automatically what happens is when you fill that void um, you're going to be transformed and that toxic person that's in your life is not going to be able to be in your presence because it's going to make them feel uncomfortable. Yep. So you won't even have to do any work to get rid of them. They're going to be like, I can't do with this. I can't do with your shit right now. You're being too goody goody. Yep. And the idea is like, yeah, let's be a better person for ourselves so that we can, because let your light shine so that it pushes darkness away. Yep. You, don't, you won't even have to do any work for that. So yeah. do that past, that past trauma um, and there won't be a void and therefore poison won't be necessary to be in your life and it'll just, it'll just they'll walk away without you having to do any work. I think that's such a great response and that you concisely said that like so well and the only thing I would want to add is just to you know, give yourself some grace in that because a lot of times, and I said this earlier, what we go to and what we stay in isn't necessarily what's best for us, but we stay in it because it's what's familiar to us and change is hard. And so just give yourself grace in terms of, you know, don't feel any type of way or shame or bad because you might still be in it or because it is so hard for you to let go if that's the case, but give yourself grace in terms of, you know, allowing you to feel what, you feel and really like Steven said, like addressing that and leaning into that and recognizing that it's not going to be an overnight thing. We're not going to be able to do like a quick fix with it because chances are you didn't get there overnight. And so you are going to have to take some time to go into, you know, allowing yourself to process what comes up as it comes up and, you know, not to feel shame around it because there is no like, and this is something I like to tell people, remove the charge, right? Like we always look at things as like good or bad, but if you just look at it as like, this is what it is, now what am I going to do about it? Then that really helps you to start to move out of that like limbic emotional brain and move into like your neocortex, like your rational brain and start to like work through what's happening and what you can do. So I hope that helps. Like Stephen said, if you have more questions, slide on in. Um, someone asked, how did we get into fitness and why? Uh, so I got into fitness. So I've always my parents were my parents are very athletic. My mom ran track. Uh, my my step my my biological father he was uh, pretty athletic, and my stepfather who raised me um, he was military. So like um, I always joke that my parents used to say they didn't they they weren't allowed to have our, their kids weren't allowed to be fat. And um, my 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 parents always. Um, exuded a healthy physicality, um, and we just picked it up. My sisters were dancers and cheerleaders. My brothers did football and basketball. I didn't like contact sports um, except for boxing, so and martial arts. So um, I I had a lesser likeness to get in a concussion from from uh, kickboxing than I did from uh, football. Um, and then I ran track. I was I've always been an endurance athlete, so running has been like my thing. Um, and so. When I got into, I, I ran track in high school and college and um, got injured um, and, and post-grad. And that's when I got into, interested in fitness. Um, honestly, I say I fell into it. Um, I was managing, I had left research and I um, I really wasn't sure where I was going to go. Like I, I didn't want to go to medical school. I didn't want to do research anymore. Um, but I, I know I love 
working with people in the body. And uh, so I managed, I started out managing a fit club. Um, and then one day, one of my instructors, they didn't show up for a cycling class and I taught it and I loved it and they loved it. And I just kept going from there. And so it was, it was, it just from there, like it, it literally happened by accident. Um, I got certified in cycling and I, I started teaching a thousand classes and I, I quit my job as a manager, became an instructor. Uh, from there, I started getting more certs, more education and became a um, athletic director for um, some um, some other clubs. And uh, right now, I'm um, program manager for some fitness and wellness programs at the university. Um, and so next step is entrepreneurship like figuring out how to bring that all together the experience the education and um the coaching aspect like really speaking truth to power and helping people grow and um yeah it's, i'm moving away from fitness and, and more into wellness so what is like I, I just i love i know a little bit about like what steven wants to do and um i'm learning more about like how you got here so yeah i love that um for me personally never played sports as a child and you know, when I started to want to, I always wanted to change my body. And like, if you followed me for any amount of time, you probably know body dysmorphia. Like I was always like counting the calories and like, you know, I remember in college, I found like some old notes. I would try to keep my calories at like five to 800 a day. Like that's insane. And so like, yeah, um, didn't really know what I was doing. And that's not to shame anyone, but that's like, Jesus Christ, like your brain needs more calories than that to like function and like keep your breathing. So carbs are okay to consume. I just want to throw that in there. Carbs yeah. Carbs, like carbs are so great. Tells you that they're liars. Carbs are great. So yeah, I never played sports, never really knew much about, you know, nutrition or wellness or health or anything. And I began to try to like change my body in terms of let me go to the gym and like eat really like salads and like, you know, tuna and like whatever, um, which I still eat. But now like I eat, you know, more because dear God. And what really kickstarted everything was CrossFit. And, you know, we can talk about why I no longer associate myself with CrossFit at a later point in time. But just suffice it to say that there was a woman who had an office um, beside of mine and she was doing like rope climbs and burpee box jumps and I'm like that's cool like I want to do it and so I ended up taking a free class and I thought that it was really cool I signed on with a Groupon actually and um, I ended up while I was there there's a Groupon to another place but I was like well we need to get good before we go to that place so trained for about like three months on my own like YouTube videos and all of that jazz and then went to the other CrossFit and the changes I saw within myself, I felt like I didn't know I could feel that way. And like I, my mindset shifted, like where all my life I had been wanting my body to look a certain way. And that like totally went into, you know, well, what can my body do instead? And so I stopped like really caring about what it looked like necessarily because the changes were happening, right? Like it was, right. it was changing. And I've got photos, like I can show anyone that like wants to see, um, there's some like way down on my Instagram. I used to post about it more. And so I was going to an office every day for like eight hours, like type them on my computer. And I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm being wasted because for like one hour a night, like one hour a day, I would have this experience where I could like drop weights, take up space, like be loud. And I know for like, I'm from the South. And so women, you know, my experience, it was like, you know, be quiet, like, you know, stay small. And not only was 
CrossFit a space where it was allowed to take it up, but it was actually celebrated, like the more weight you do and stuff like that. And so within a year, I had my um, L1, so my level one certification. I had like my L2, um, maybe within a year and a half, I want to say. Hell, maybe within a year or two. I don't know. I just completely like shifted my life and started coaching CrossFit because I wanted to give people what I had experienced. And so I did that full time for like five years. Um, and that was why I got into it. And then I'm here because it was while I was there that I realized, you know, there, you know, I think movement is a part of wellness, like 1000%. And at the same time, I think that you have to be at a certain level of confidence and awareness and understanding before you ever walk through the doors of that CrossFit. And if you are able to do that, then you probably have, you know, like your own like autonomy, your own confidence, like you're probably good, right? But I wanted to have a deeper impact and help those that maybe weren't quite ready to go into like that CrossFit box, right? Because like, I mean, it can be intimidating. I trained for three weeks or three months, excuse me, three months before I was ready to go into the one that like changed my life. And so, um, yeah, if I can help, and we spoke about this earlier, like saving time, so to speak, if I can help someone else come to that realization and not have to like flounder around for years, then that's why I'm here. And that's why I'm doing this. So that was kind of a long answer, but. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, it's relevant. Like, I think, like, the background story is is important because, like, people, they need to know the why because it helps them to understand the experience. Like, so many people see the end product. They see the body, but they don't see the intention behind it. And so, like, we talked about this. The, the body is the byproduct. Yep what can the body do is the intention is right. the, the performance is the, is the intention. Um, and for me, um, initially I got into fitness because I liked the attention, mm-hmm. uh, but then I realized it shifted and it was like, Oh, it's less about me and it's more about them. And it's how can I get their bodies to perform better? Yep. Um, and then how can I get them to acknowledge that their bodies are performing better? Yep. Oh, this cascades to, how can I get them to feel better about wellness and how can I get them to grow? And the, the purpose was just um, getting them healthy, healthy yeah. mind, healthy body, healthy spirit so that they have the same wellness and they can live. Like so often a lot of people are just not living. They're just existing. And yep. we talk about this in coaching and we're like, oh, let's get our clients to, to from, from baseline to thriving. But that's not enough. Thriving is not enough, right? How do we get them to living, right? Yeah. And living requires learning how to navigate space, um, learning boundaries, um, enforcing boundaries, um, because the idea of thriving is way too high. I just want to get my clients to living, um, because if I can, you can find joy in living, right? Um, and thriving is individualistic, and it's. Um, it's based on, you know, it's objective. Um, no, subjective. You know, it's based on how a person views their life and what they view as success and thriving. And so, like, the idea is, like, I can't tell you what thriving is, right? But I can help I can you figure you it out. Is. Yeah, it is your job to figure it out. You tell me what thriving is, and then I can help you get there. And I think that's the thing that I love about coaching is, is the – the problem solving. I am a operational thinker mm-hmm. and solving problems is what I do. Uh, and I love looking, being that objective personality that can look at a situation and say, okay, this is what you need to do. And let's work collaboratively so we can 
we can kick this thing in the ass and get you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we're at two hours. I could talk to you forever. But one last question. Um, What is some shit that you wish that everyone would know about love and life? Like closing, Um, closing words. I wish that everyone loved themselves. I wish that everyone was aware that self-love is the most important aspect of life. Um, Because uh, this is scripture that you know I, I was taught growing up um, love your neighbor as you love yourself um, you can't love your neighbor until you love yourself mm-hmm. right you can't love your partner you can't love your children you can't love anything in this world until you love yourself so I think if everyone was taught to love themselves a little bit deeper a little bit more and like evolve in that love um, how we care for people externally would be so much different yep I 1000% agree and yeah, if I like, those would be that, that would be some shit that I wish that I could like impart on everyone is just, yeah, it starts with you. It 1000% starts with you. And I know that figuring out who you are can be difficult. And so if you have questions about that, like we're here to help. Um, but best piece of advice on how to figure out who you are is just lean more into what feels good. Mm. And what you want. Like really, and explore like, okay, what I want, how do I get it? And, and then what, what feels good that does not harm someone else mm-hmm. and what I want that doesn't harm someone else. Mm-hmm. Those are the righteous things. Those are the things that the universe wants for us. And, you know, if you need help discerning how you attain those things, that's what John and I are here to help with. You know, we'll, we'll talk it out. Like that's, that's all coaching is, is having a conversation, being a sounding board. And that's all we really want to do is, is have a good conversation with you. Jess says, wish I had a heart button I could carry with me so I could send out a million hearts to the world for yourself. Yeah. 1000%. Definitely. Well, two hours. I think this is a record. Thank you so yeah. much. You are always inspiring and i love every second that i get to speak to you and i am grateful that you are my friend and just thank you so much for blessing us all with your knowledge and your presence yeah. and your time definitely love you guys love being present for you love you john and like it's just it's not i love the opportunity and the platform that we have to to be able to showcase our friendship but the the, the blessing is being able to share that with other people and 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 show that it's 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 healthy having a healthy friendship is important and, and it's nice that we have been used as platforms to do that. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I love you. Have a wonderful day. Everybody, love you back. I will talk to you soon. Um, and yeah, have a good weekend. Bye guys. Bye.